For our study uh, here from Scripture for the last few weeks uh, has been in a series we're calling Grasping God Possibilities. Grasping God Possibilities is based on uh, Jesus' words that with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Jesus uh, said that to his disciples one day when they were struggling over something that, that they didn't understand how it could possibly happen. And Jesus made it clear, well, at the human level, it can't. But at the God level, it can. And for us, we've said that really means that, you know, when we're in circumstances that are not good, there are things around us, and we say, a change needs to happen. Something needs to change here. But we say, well, it's impossible. Well, that's not true. It is possible with God. Whether that's in our home, our family, our neighborhood, our nation, whatever. When we see something that needs to be changed inside of us, and we say, well, that can never change. I will never change. I just know I can never change this about me. That's, impo- uh, that's impossible, we say. God says, no, that's possible with me. When we are uh, given by God uh, a dream, maybe a goal, a task that, uh, that comes, and we know God has led us to it, but we say, oh, I can't possibly do it. it. It's great, I'm all for it, but it can never happen. It's impossible. Jesus' words tell us otherwise. No, it's actually possible. But how do we grasp the God possible? That's what we've been learning here. And we're going to continue that today. But first, we're going to hear from someone who's had a lot of experiences with the impossible and the God possible. Um, One of our our people we love to have come back and see us every once in a while because she happens to live in Africa. It's Dr. Val Sheehan, our missionary to Uganda. Val, come on up. Let's have a conversation with you. Well, welcome, and uh, tell us about, uh, for those who haven't heard, um, when did you actually get back to uh, the U.S., sir? Uh, let's see. It was, uh, it was Friday night your time, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm still a little jet lag right now. So. Yeah. And then you went over, straight over to Eastern Oregon to That's see family. Right. Yeah, and then... zoomed over there for 24, 26 hours of uh, continual talking and sharing with my family, so, so it was very fun. And zoomed back here. <laughs> That's so, right. Yes, so if he does off in the service, That's it's quite right. all right. I think today. I got three hours of sleep in the last 48 yeah. hours, so... Uh-huh, I'm still here. <laughs> so tell it's been us, fun, though. Apart from that, yes. How are you? Uh, well, I'm on? I'm doing okay, but things have been a little tough out in Uganda. But God has been very near to me, and that's what has been so wonderful. Is that in the midst of the challenges that we've been having out there, God has been close, and amazing things have been happening. But it's been a real try- trying time in many ways too. Okay. Let's walk through your ministry a little bit, okay. which is mm-hmm. so multifaceted. I mean, That's we can't right. even really co- mm-hmm. uh, cover it. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you are there uh, as a doctor of veterinary mm-hmm. medicine, but mm-hmm. as, a, as a servant of Jesus Christ, they're mm-hmm. helping the people with their mm-hmm. crops, their food, their mm-hmm. animals, but also showing them the love of mm-hmm. Jesus and helping them to find uh, God. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you had much time to do that uh, lately? Yeah, yeah. So. I've done, we've done a little bit of work with livestock. Uh, a lot of times we've trained so many people that we don't uh, need to do livestock work on a daily basis, so we have more time for various ministries, but God has given us two really interesting uh, ministries in the last six months where we uh, were able to use veterinary medicine to break through into new uh, communities that had never heard about Christ, and so that's been really fun. One has been uh, a community on the mountain near where we're doing the peace villages. There's a mountain uh, between the two uh, enemies sub-tribes that they go around either side of these raiding corridors and raid. And so we've been working on peace building between those two tribes, but there's another small tribe that lives on top of that mountain. 
and we happened to climb the mountain, we found people up there. And so we shared Christ with them, and some of them got excited and wanted to know more and wanted to have a, a church come up there. So they're asking for a pastor, and they're interested in, uh, in learning about the Lord. So we did a little livestock work with them to develop their trust, and now they're, they're ready for, for God to work there. And so we just need to get back there and go and visit them. Yeah, fabulous. Uh, yeah, so that's real exciting. So the second one is uh, just recently in the last, uh, last month, um, I got an opportunity to go to southern Sudan for a little holiday. It's not quite the best place to go for a holiday, but for me, it was really relaxing. <laughs> so, so it was with different people shooting at you with different guns. That's right. right. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. And so it was another unreached people group called the Mundari. And so they invited me to come there and share with them um, how to help their animals. And they were doing evangelism at the same time. And so we coordinated everything together and uh, treated thousands of animals, probably 6,000, 7,000 animals in the, in the 10 days. And there was also medical ministry at the same time, 2,000 people they treated. They had water ministry. They dug two boreholes. And then we had evangelism with all the different groups. So about 250 people got saved, and we established two new churches. And so it's a very exciting thing. Two weeks. So... So God is doing great things. And, you know, that area had never heard about Christ before. And so when you go to, the, to a mud hut and you start talking about the true God and what God can do in their lives, they're like, this is exactly what we've been waiting for. It was so fun to be there for the first time to share Christ with people. So it was very exciting. And it was because I was a vet. I could go and meet them, even the chiefs of the community. The, there had been two missionaries in the area, but they could never meet the chief. He, didn't, he refused to talk to them. But as soon as we said we were coming to help the animals, the three chiefs from all the surrounding areas came to talk to us. So it was really good to see that God opens those doors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now, uh, well, that's a primary ministry in itself, yeah. but mm-hmm. God has led you in so many different mm-hmm. directions. And we've been involved in the Timothy Project, mm-hmm. uh, caring yeah. and schooling uh, mm-hmm. uh, orphans and abandoned children. How's right. that going? It's going well. The, the um, Timothy Project has about 140 children now that we're taking care of. We have them in different boarding schools. And the fun thing we're doing right now is we have the Bible clubs we're developing in those schools. So the kids have a weekly Bible lesson that they can do with teachers who have volunteered to, to share um, the, the Bible together with them. And we have different projects we're doing in the, in, the, in, the church, in the schools also to help them have other kinds of activities like a poultry project or different kinds of craft projects and things. So we're trying to help the students to have an interest in school because many of them, psychologically, they have a lot of struggles because they've been, they've been um, abused, they were street kids, they didn't have a place to live, they might be total orphans and they don't have parents. And so um, it's really important to take time to pray with them and to be together with them. So we have retreats with them also that we do, and that's been really good. So most of the children are doing well. There's probably been about uh, five to six, though, that, we, that have left the program in the last six months. Um, sometimes when they're in these boarding schools, the schools belong to the government, and the government sometimes runs out of food to feed the kids at the boarding schools. And so then the kids leave the schools and go back to some relative or someone in the village who often tries to convince them to go back and um, be a street kid on the, on the street in the capital city. Mm-hmm. So we lost six, five to six kids in that way. So we still have to try to find them, but uh, we hope that God is mm-hmm. caring for them and we know that they're in his hands. So um. You mentioned the, the peace work you're doing, mm-hmm. um, P-E-A-C-E, peace work yes. that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that God's brought your way too. Mm-hmm. And that story is a long one. We can yeah, go yeah. back and retell uh-huh. it all. Uh, maybe if we have that, if we don't have that mm-hmm. video on our website, we'll get that back mm-hmm. up this yeah. week so some of you can access mm-hmm. the history. But tell us uh, what's the latest with okay. uh, helping these 
kind of mm-hmm. all these wars going on and what you've right, been able to do right. there. Yeah, well, it's been very wonderful. You know, the tribe I work with, the Karamajong, is a very violent, aggressive tribe. They used to fight with the bows and arrows. Now they've got their machine guns going out there. And so it's been a, a challenging tribe to work with. At first, when I first started working with them, there were hardly any Christians in the whole area, just a very aggressive tough group of people but uh, over time god has helped us to break into their hearts and now things are going very well the peace uh peace process was a was something that was a surprise for all of us so i really felt in my heart that someday god was going to bring these people to peace but it did seem like one of those impossibilities that well surely i can't do it i have no idea what to do mm-hmm. um, but god put it on our hearts to give it a try and so now it's been three years since we've been trying to work with them to reconcile them with their enemies and now there's more than 11,000 people that have come together in former no man's land where before you couldn't even enter that area. So God is really opening up opportunities for peace there. And so um, it's been interesting in this last six months, my vehicle has been broken down a lot. And so I, I kept thinking, well, the peace is, is going to is so fragile there. I'm sure now they're going to be starting to fight again because I can't go there and be with, together with them. And so I was feeling this great burden that, you know, how could this work now now that I'm not there, realizing later that <laughs> it's not me who's bringing any peace to them. It's really God. And so that was kind of a neat thing for me to see that I couldn't go there. I couldn't do anything. But God was certainly with them. And so they're doing really well. Their peace process is continuing. They're living together in a good way, intermarrying. They're digging their crops together. So it's, it's working out quite well. Great. Yeah. And then uh, I think one more I would, mm-hmm. I would bring up with you is... Mm-hmm. Uh, You've, you've planted a church right in the, in the middle of this strategic mm-hmm. uh, area. It's a yes. strategic church in a, in a place mm-hmm. where it impacts the region. Mm-hmm. And tell us the update on that right. and, uh, mm-hmm. and the building of a, of a new yes. church there. It's very, very exciting. The, the community that I live in um, had just very few believers when I first got there. And over time, God has really helped us to share Christ in all the communities around. And now we have a, a cent- the central church, which is growing so, so big. It's, it has, it has a building probably, I don't know if it's about the size of this area here. And we fit about... Uh, 500 500 people in there to two services. They're packed in. They have benches, and so they can squeeze them. This place here is for 20 people. You know, that's... (laughs) And they squeeze all the way on the aisle in between. They're all lying down, sitting down on the ground all the way up to the podium. It's packed full. There's so many people that want to know about the Lord, and many people, almost every Sunday, you get new believers that come forward. And so now the church is so full, and we couldn't... uh, The walls are starting to crack because people are leaning on them so much, trying to get in. (laughs) And so we just prayed and asked God to open an opportunity to to build a new church together with them and the opportunity has begun so just a few weeks ago we dug the first holes for the first beams and uh, we put the walls uh, we put the the poles in and we're going to get to do the roof probably in january all right so it's very exciting it's going to fit about thousand people the new church uh, african style a thousand people (laughs) (laughs) this is like four thousand in here (laughs) And, and how many people will be in there Oh, I'm sure it'll get full within the first two or three weeks. It'll it'll be at its max again. So it's exciting. Uh So a good place for me to pause Mm -hmm. here. And just a a reminder is we had all of our projects uh, this last fall and spring. The very last of of one of our special projects was to provide some funding uh, along with uh, three of the churches in Portland that we Mm -hmm. partner with to support Val. And um, our goal was to get at least $10,000 to -hmm. help with the building of of this actual building. (laughs) And uh, you can track this in your program. It's been in there every week. But we've come very close to that goal, which uh, we were, uh, the goal was to get it done by June 1st. Mm-hmm. And um, we'd still like to finish that off. And so if, you know, what we're saying today is if you want to give to help us reach that final goal, you can do that. Just market Uganda, Val, Spring Missions, whatever uh, today. And anything that's given for that, 
will still go for the building of that building. But I also want to encourage you, uh, based on what Val has told us about really being without a vehicle to use, which is just necessary mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to get around to all the places she goes and to do so uh, in a vehicle that can handle not uh, being on nice streets like we have, mm-hmm. but basically pounding through the, the bush and the brush and the dirt roads and the mud holes and all that. Uh, she hasn't had that available, and we want to want to help with that, along with the other churches up in Portland. And so from now till July 4th, which is a Sunday this year, um, any other gifts that come in for Val and just, you know, again, Uganda, whatever, um, any that's given will we'll go directly. We'll get that. So when you head back, um, you've got some money to begin well, working with, great. and hopefully even mm-hmm. more as the Portland churches jump in. Mm-hmm. I know they're already on track with that, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll get you back on, on your wheels and Wonderful. And That's so again. exciting. <laughs> so uh, just the call out, you know, we have so much here. And I don't hesitate on times like this to just say, you know what, when we have so much, how can we hold back from, uh, from supporting this kind of work where people mm-hmm. have so little? Mm-hmm. So let's go on, though. Uh, you mm-hmm. said tough times. Tell us about yeah. the hard parts about yeah. us. Well, part of it is not having the vehicle. That's been a really a real challenge. It, I live in a kind of a dangerous place out there. And so when you don't have, the, have a vehicle... Or if you have one that's breaking down all the time, you drive halfway through your journey and then it breaks down and you're stranded in the middle of nowhere with people that have machine guns around and you don't know what's going to happen and trying to find your way back home again. Or you're waiting at the, try to hitch a ride with somebody to, get, to, to try to get to, to the communities and go visit together with them and you can spend so much time wasted. Three hours is, was common in a day just to be sitting waiting for a vehicle to go somewhere and it was really frustrating to to see that, you know, there was so much that God is doing, and I could see God working all around, but I couldn't participate because I don't have a vehicle. I'm stuck on the side of the road somewhere. I made a lot of friends, though, so maybe, you know, that was a reason for being there. I played with a lot of kids, and so, but, uh, so that's been a, a real challenge. There's also been uh, difficulties with the health of the people in the community. We're currently in a, in a cholera epidemic, and so that's been really difficult. Um, there's been a lot of uh, sick people, more than 300 in our communities there who have contracted the disease and uh, without a vehicle with cholera it's a horrible disease they get horrible diarrhea and vomiting and they can die within six hours and so if you don't have a vehicle the person is sick there you don't have any way to get them to the hospital or clinic and it's been very very difficult to try to struggle with them and try to be on the side of the road with sick people who you're trying to rush to the hospital and it's been so, so challenging. But God has uh, had grace on us and given us opportunities to borrow vehicles and rescue people and to try to get them um, out uh, of their situation. So that's, that's been helpful. Um, but uh, we really need prayer on the side of those, uh, that disease because it's, been, it's going through the whole communities now and it's difficult to stop it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, um, we've, we have had a lot of spiritual warfare in the communities. Uh, you know, when we're doing a peace project, we think, well, God is really going to bring peace to this whole area. Well, the communities we're working with, it's really amazing. God is really resting on their hearts and helping them to stay together. Um, but the people around there, the people that we haven't had a chance to talk to, it's almost the opposite. Like Satan is trying to draw up um, division in all the communities around there, even to come against us, to come against each other. Um, so there's been a lot of uh, a spiritual warfare on that side, trying to, um, I think Satan's trying to balance out the wonderful things that are happening, trying to bring difficult things to, to discourage us. And that has been a challenge. People have been threatening our lives. People uh, have threatened to close our program, to take us to the police, and other people in the program have been taken over to the police of the army and beaten. And so it's been difficult to, to see that... Uh, you know, that Satan is alive and well out there, even though um, there's wonderful things happening. We really need to pray a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Other things uh, mm-hmm. we can pray for, things that have been 
um, uh, challenging for you? Uh, maybe one thing, um, as well as the, the kind of the division that's happening in communities, some um, our team is not working as well as it normally has. There's been some conflict on the team, and we could really use prayer for unity uh, within our members. Um, I love all of our team members. They're wonderful people to work with. But sometimes things come up and they don't get resolved, and we really need some time to work through those things with them and to... Help them come back together. As you were telling me, that's part of the natural mm-hmm. process because you've turned mm-hmm. over leadership that exactly. you once were able to really guide yes. to others who are still learning mm-hmm. and growing. Exactly. So we definitely need to pray yeah. about that. Well, thank that. you. Yeah, yeah. That's good. So uh, our study here, as I mentioned earlier, you know, mm-hmm. the, the God possibilities, the things that are impossible but are possible with God. I mean, it seems like you've had a, you know, at least half a lifetime of dealing with those on a regular <laughs> yeah, basis. and. True. And uh, the reality is we all face these things every day. Mm-hmm. For Val, they're, they're just a little more open and raw and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. right there in your face. But, but we all deal with these God impossibilities. And, you know, what's your perspective on mm-hmm. how God has been doing the impossible? Mm-hmm. I mean, what, how do you see that looking mm-hmm. back over the years mm-hmm. and maybe even right now? Can you, mm-hmm. can you see God doing those works? What, oh, yeah. what are you noticing? Definitely. I, I mean, that's what God is all about, I think. Mm-hmm. To, to achieve things with people who are incapable mm-hmm. is really good for him. He knows how to do that. You feel like you can never do something. You feel like, you know, you, you want to do things always in your strength. Mm-hmm. But God often wants to use you in your weakness. And that's when you can become even actually more available to him. He can help you to do something that is definitely impossible because that's that then you'll know that it was really him that did it. And so that's been kind of an exciting thing to learn in Uganda is that uh, it's that the impossible things don't depend on me. So how can it be impossible? Because I'm not the one that is in control of it. I might think that I can do things. I might think that I have the power um, but in the end, God definitely shows you that he's the one that's going to do it or not do it. And if it's his desire and his goal, it, it's going to come. It's going to happen. It might not be in the way that you think it will be. It might come in a different way, but he'll use even our own suffering, even our own difficulties to bring himself glory and to bring people to him. And so it's been, it's been good to see that. And the last six months has not been an easy time, but it's been a time that God was glorified and a time when good things happened. And even I grew a lot during that time. So it's good. And probably 18 mm-hmm. years ago, you couldn't have imagined uh, mm-hmm. churches growing, peace mm-hmm. villages established. Exactly. All yeah, these going I on. could it's never incredible. imagine it. It's, yeah. been, it's been neat. You were telling me before, mm-hmm. even if, uh, I'm going to have to pull this out, but uh, just even how God had, mm-hmm. on a daily basis, seeing that with the, uh, you know, just the cholera patients mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing mm-hmm. how God has just provided. Uh, mm-hmm. um, maybe I'll just say, mm-hmm. tell that one story okay. just real yeah, quickly. That's so. a good Good, good thing. You know, God sometimes does things that you're not aware of what he's planning. And you, you think that uh, you're organizing one thing and it might be for his purposes in another way. We were, I'd struggled and struggled. We have these great seeds that people have been sending us to take to the peace villages. We have a lot of rain going there right now. And so it's a great time to plant seeds. And so I've been trying to get to the peace villages, but without a vehicle, borrowing vehicles from different people. And finally, I got a vehicle that I could go. It was a nice four-wheel drive, but the road was so bad. We kept getting stuck and stuck along the way and we, we kept getting frustrated that we were getting stuck but God had a reason for us getting stuck and it was about the fourth big hole that we were pushing out of and uh, we were there for probably 20 minutes and during that time out of the bush came a family um, carrying a lady on a stretcher uh, on their heads it's 23 miles back to the road and they had to walk that distance with this cholera patient and so they were just in tears because they, she was already pretty severe. She was hallucinating. She had been vomiting and diarrhea everywhere. And they were trying to rush her, the 23 miles, carrying her on the stretcher on their head. 
And so we were stuck in a hole, but uh, God helped us to get her, get out of the hole. And we, I handed the seeds to someone who could run to the villages and go plant them. And I realized that my purpose wasn't necessarily to be there to plant seeds. Um, God would do that. God would find the people to plant the seeds, but I needed to help this lady. And so we loaded her in a truck, and we didn't know how we were going to get out because on the way there it was so muddy and so slippery. We thought, how can we ever get out with a sick patient? And so it was one of those impossibilities of you know it was starting to rain and the mud was getting deeper and so we tried to get the vehicle turned around and on the way back we just kept stuck and stuck again in the vehicle and six hours to you know to survive you know sometimes those patients can die right away and so he, she had a little a little boy that was about uh, four years old or I mean six years old and uh, strapped on his back was her one-year-old baby and so that was the only family member she had she doesn't have a husband and so these ladies were trying to help her out and the little baby the little boy's just crying and crying the whole time and the little girl is just uh, their mother has no milk because she's been sick for so long so the baby hasn't eaten in two days and so they were really really struggling and so we got him in the car and we just started singing to them singing to him on the way just knowing that God was going to do something for this kid and for this family and so we, we started, we kept getting stuck in those holes on the way. So we all jumped out. We've got, we were already covered with vomit and diarrhea. So we jump into the mud. And we're pushing in the mud, trying to get this vehicle out. And mud is going everywhere. We're thinking, God, is this really what we're supposed to do? But you brought us here. And so, and so we finally we got through all those mud holes and got to the clinic. And there was no doctor and there was no medicine. It was like, oh, no, God, you've got to do something bigger than this. And so we went on and on and on and tried to get finally to the hospital. It took us um, almost seven hours, six, six and some minutes to get to the hospital. We got her there, and they got her IVs, and she survived. So God knew he needed us to get stuck in that mud hole so we could get that lady and rescue her. And he knew, even though it looked impossible to get her out and to save that family, we could do it. So yeah. it was his power. It's a fabulous mm-hmm. illustration. You know, we think yeah. about the big things that God does uh-huh. over 18 years, mm-hmm. and yet God's doing impossible things every day, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. So uh, last thing, well, let me tell mm-hmm. you, uh, uh-huh. tonight, 6 p.m., yep. Val's going to be right here in this room. She'll be out showing uh, photos of her ministry, mm-hmm. telling more stories. You'll mm-hmm. be able to interact with her, uh, questions and all that kind of stuff. Uh, 6 p.m., and if your kids are in the middle school survivor finale tonight, mm-hmm. uh, perfect timing while they're over there, drop in here. Uh, just before you, you go off stage here, um, I love this thing. So, okay. so tell, them, tell them about that. Well, this illustrates how God can do different things than what you think uh, the things are, what you think is going to happen. Um, this little item here, it's a cowbell, right? And so the guys were making it into the cowbell in the village. I went to go and look at it. And if you look carefully, southern Sudan, I got it in southern Sudan. Southern Sudan is highly known for um, explosive materials. And this happens to be a rocket-propelled grenade tip. (laughs) So God, uh, uh, people were firing this in the villages trying to kill people, but God had another intent for it. And so the people found this. It was unexploded on the ground with all the missile on the end of it. And so they dismantled it, and they made it into a very nice cowbell. And so we see it as an illustration of God... uh, um, uh, transforming the, the swords into plowshares, but this one is a uh, RPG into a cowbell. And so God can do anything with something that doesn't seem like it's good, something that seems like it's evil even. He can have a purpose that can be good. So, right. yeah. Well, great, Val. Thank you so much mm-hmm. for being here. We just love seeing you back. Thanks, thanks so much. For coming out. Thank, Thank you. Mm-hmm. I'll leave it here. Well, with all that in mind about what God's doing uh, in the impossible ways in Val's ministry and through her, it, 
it brings us back to that question, well, how do we get in those positions where God is doing impossible things in us, through us, and around us? And we've been studying here uh, about that and, and studying the life of Gideon, the man Gideon, and what we read of him in the Old Testament in the book of Judges, chapter 6. And we want to just jump back in there today and, and learn a couple of more lessons uh, quickly this morning from the life of Gideon. So I invite you to open a Bible there and we'll catch up a little bit uh, as we as we pick up from uh, from where we left off. If you're new with us and you, or you don't know Gideon's story, let me just uh, tell you real quickly, Gideon was a real man. He lived in Israel during a, a long period of time in which the people of that nation frequently broke their covenant with God. God, remember, uh, created the nation of Israel. He chose the people of Israel to be his special people, the nation through whom he would bless all the nations of the earth. And at the time God did that, when he chose them and drew them to himself, he made a covenant with the people. He said, I'll be your God, and as your God, I will bless you, I will prosper you, I will guard you, and I will protect you. That's my side of the covenant. And if you'll enter into a covenant with me and let me work through you, I will provide all that for you. But your part of the covenant, God said, was this. You will worship me only as the one true God. You will love me. You will keep my laws. You will follow me wholeheartedly and completely. And at times, especially at the beginning, Israel, uh, the people of Israel did that uh, sometimes very well. But as time went by, more often than not, they didn't keep their covenant. And that was certainly true of the, uh, of the times of Gideon. He lived during what, was, what is known as the days of the, of the judges in Israel. And during the days of the judges, the people mostly were not uh, staying true to God. Whenever that occurred, God, in accordance with the terms of the covenant, then would withdraw his blessing and his protection of the nation. And during Gideon's lifetime, what that meant was that the Israelites suffered at the hands of some enemies, primarily the Midianites and uh, their allies, the Amalekites and some other nomadic tribes uh, from the east who joined together. And every year they would come in in force, in mass. They would sweep through the land of Israel. They would uh, destroy, or first they would take whatever they wanted to haul away with them. Then they would destroy anything of value that was left. And they especially destroyed all the crops and the animals and all those kinds of things. They stole it all. They went away. And they left the people there in in a very bad situation. And Israel during this time was very, very oppressed. They were an oppressed people, miserable, uh, trying to get by. They were powerless to do anything about it, truly It was an impossible situation. This went on year after year after year. They needed spiritual change for one thing. They needed to to come back to God, but the people were entrenched now in, in the worship of pagan false gods. They needed moral leadership, but there weren't any leaders Uh, to stand up and be those moral leaders in Israel. And, of course, they needed a fighting force to defend themselves and and drive out these enemies, but they had no military personnel or, or resources. But finally, in their despair, they cried out to God to, uh, to rescue them and save them. To help them. And God graciously came to their aid. And that's where Gideon came in. Gideon was really a nobody. But God came to him and called him and said, Gideon, you're, you're the man I want to be my point man. In, uh, in ridding the nation of these oppressors and, and leading the nation back to devotion to me. And so Gideon, who lacked status and ability and connections and power and courage and confidence, just had none of those, was stunned that God was calling him to do this. And he hesitated, but as, as God spoke to him, God convinced Gideon, and Gideon decided, okay, God, I'll, I'll go with you. And he began to follow God's instructions, doing what God told him to do. And as we followed the story, Gideon soon then became actually recognized by his, his, uh, 
his local uh, citizens and even beyond uh, his local community as being a man that God was raising up to be both a moral and perhaps a military leader who would help uh, them. As we've studied this uh, story so far, we've learned a number of lessons about grasping God possibilities. What are the things we need to know in order to be in that place where those God possibilities are happening in us, through us, and around us? And let's just quickly review those lessons. Regarding God, we've learned this, these lessons. Number one, God is still working. God is still working. He's still with his people. He's still willing to act on behalf of, uh, of his own people. He's willing to exercise his power. He didn't just do those things in the olden days. He he still exercises his power today. And then second of all, we learn the lesson that God is not limited. He's not limited by us. He's not limited by our our shortcomings, our weaknesses. And he's not limited by the difficulties and the challenges that we face that are outside of us. All of our circumstances, he can overcome them all. Those are the two major lessons about God we learned. But then we learned some some major lessons about us. And, and the first lesson we learned is this from Gideon's story, that repentance is required. Repentance is required because sin puts us at odds with God. And if we don't acknowledge our, our sin and admit it to God and apologize for it to God, confessing it to God, and repentance means I turn from it, I don't tolerate it, I don't enjoy it, I don't, I'm not content with it, but I turn from it and I go back God's way. Well, if we don't do that, then, then we're not on the same page with God. But when we do that, we come back on the same page with God. God demanded that of Israel, and they, they did repent. So that was lesson one, repentance is required. Second lesson was courage is necessary. We must have courage because going God's way means encountering opposition. You just heard it with, the, with Val's stories. You're going to encounter opposition of some sort. And also, going God's way means he's going to lead you to tasks and, uh, and, and uh, assignments which are truly impossible. They're going, to, they're going to be assignments that take you out of your comfort zone. They're going to be assignments that, that call you to do things that you just don't have the ability to do. And so you're going to have to have courage to keep following God in the midst of that. We learn that God, in the midst of those, uh, those times, he gives us reasons to have courage. But we have to choose whether we're going to, to believe those reasons and be courageous in those times. That was lesson number two. And then the third lesson we learned about uh, ourselves is this, that for us, first steps are very important. First steps are very important. And by that, we saw through Gideon's life that God most always asks us first to take smaller steps of obedience and faith. And it's when we take those smaller steps that then God sets us on the road and prepares us for the bigger impossibilities he's going to do in our life. If we fail to take those first steps, we often miss altogether what God had in mind for us down the road. And so it's very important, essential, that we just take those first steps he calls us to. Now, let's immediately this morning just very quickly add another lesson uh, to our our list of lessons and uh, one regarding God, but of course it affects us as well. It's one we actually read about last week, but we didn't take time to highlight. And that's this, that God enables us to succeed at the things that that he calls us to and the places where he puts us. He enables us to succeed. Last week uh, we read that uh, not long after Gideon took his first important steps of faith, and obedience, and, and had success because God, God blessed him, God showed him that he was with him again. Well, shortly after that, guess who showed up in Israel again? The Midianites and all their allies came back for their annual, you know, bring everybody in and wipe out Israel time. And they showed up to devastate the land. And, and previously when that happened, 
that meant that, uh, that the Israelites said, here they come, and they literally would run for the hills. They would go up in the mountains, hide out in caves and, and cracks in the rocks and all this, and, and just live as far away from, from it, and let the Midianites do whatever they wanted until they left. But now things changed. Gideon had now taken these first steps and was taking his call from God seriously. And, uh, and God had called Gideon to this leadership. So verse 34 says, uh, So the Spirit of the Lord then at that time came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, probably both literally and figuratively. He blew a trumpet, and the Abiezrites, that was, those were people of his immediate area, were called together to follow him. In other words, to, to stand up and, and start putting together a force to resist. And then he sent messengers throughout Manasseh. That was his larger region, tribal region. And they were also called together to follow him. And he sent messengers to Asher and Zebulun and Naphtali, other regions. And they came up to meet them. And so here Gideon uh, now uh, has an army that comes together to fight. We learn later on uh, in chapter 7 that this army totaled 32,000 men who showed up to, uh, to go to war with Gideon, which was just amazing that this happened because this had not happened for years, maybe decades, that the people had come together like this. But the most significant fact in those two verses is not just that the, the, that army came together, but it says the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. You want to make sure you notice that most of all. The Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. That's God the Holy Spirit, God himself, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, came upon Gideon. Actually, if you were reading it in the original Hebrew text, it would say it this way. Look, the Spirit of the Lord clothed himself with Gideon. That's what it says literally. I wish they would have just kept that in our English translations because it's a very vivid description of what God actually did at that point. God, think about the, 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 the figurative picture of this. God kind of takes Gideon and, and sort of, you know, opens him up and spreads him apart and then wraps himself around him. So what is it? Well, God is indwelling Gideon. That's the concept. God is indwelling Gideon at that time to fill Gideon with all that he needed to do his job, the inspiration he needed, the, the, uh, the insight he needed as a leader, the boldness, the, the power, the strength, the abilities. God came to make that possible within Gideon for that task that he had to do. That little uh, description, by the way, also emphasizes that an aspect of what happens when God indwells someone, that person essentially becomes an instrument of God to use. And we might even say that person becomes an extension of God, uh, the the one through whom God is is working. So God enabled and empowered Gideon to to do what Gideon couldn't do on his own and to be part of this incredible, impossible work that God was going to do. And so our question, of course, is, well, does God still do that today? And the answer is yes. Yes. Yes, but did you know he, he does it in an even greater and broader way today than he was doing back in Gideon's times? Because maybe you didn't know this, but, but in the Old Testament times, before the life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, before he completed his mission on earth, in the Old Testament times, the Holy Spirit only came to dwell in some believers, some followers of God, not all followers of God. And typically when the Holy Spirit would come, he would come only in this way in dwelling for a, a specific purpose, or a specific task that, uh, that, that God had for that person. And very often that was just for a very limited time to, to do the task, and, and then that was done. But after the completion of Jesus' ministry and, and life on earth, that changed. Jesus changed all that around uh, according to, to the plan of God the Father. Uh, remember that Jesus, before his physical departure from earth, said this to his disciples, because they were concerned when Jesus said, I'm not going to be with you 
physically present any longer. They were very concerned. And giving them reassurances, Jesus said this, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, another literally advocate, another one who will be alongside you, that he may be with you forever. That is, who is it? The Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. The Holy Spirit does not indwell those who are not part of the people of God. But you know him, Jesus said, because he abides with you. You've seen him work in my ministry, Jesus was saying, and he will be in you. Jesus uh, very clearly taught that that, uh, after his departure, the Holy Spirit would come and would actually indwell us. And this is what we see throughout the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 says, uh, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, when you did that, You were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came into your life. And not only that, we go back to uh, to, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where we think all all of the people of the church, what does it say? By one Spirit, the Holy Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. We were all brought into a spiritual unity with Jesus Christ himself and with each other. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, doesn't matter who you are, what your background is. If you're in Jesus, you've got the Spirit. We were all made to drink of one Spirit. That is, we all became indwelled of the Spirit of God. So, so now every follower of Christ is indwelt by the Holy Spirit and indwelt not just for a short time, but, but forever. And, and not just for one or two specific tasks, but for every part of our life. But we can also say in, in light of that, for everything that God calls us to in terms of ministry, goals, dreams, whatever, he never departs from us. The New Testament teaches he never departs from us. He's always working in us and through us. The only way that doesn't happen is if we become resistant to his working, if we're not uh, submissive to him and following his lead, then, then he's not able to do as much as he could if, if we presented ourselves as God's instruments. But he's always there. And there's no question about that whatsoever. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. And, the, and what you have to grasp today is you look at Gideon's story and, and you read, the Holy Spirit came upon Gideon. And you go, wow. That must have been awesome. Well, you are in exactly the same position as Gideon all the time. Do you realize that? You are exactly in the same place Gideon was. The Holy Spirit indwells you for everything that you face in life, including some of these impossible things that are going on around you. No question about that. But now, having said that, once again we realize, you know what, the Spirit is there. That means the, the, the God possibilities are really possible for us too. But you know what, we can, we can miss out on some of those experiences. And, uh, and we begin to learn that lesson uh, here. We begin to learn why and how that can happen easily in the next lesson we learn from Gideon's story, which uh, let's just go back in, into the, and read a few verses today, just a small section of this story. And uh, remember in verse 35 where we left off, Gideon had called everybody to to go to battle and there's 32,000 men who show up and they're ready to go out and and deal with this. But then it says, Then Gideon said to God, at that moment, when, when they're ready to launch off, then Gideon said to God, If you will deliver Israel through me as you have spoken, behold, I will put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. And if there's dew on the fleece only and it is dry on all the ground, then I will know that you will deliver Israel through me as you have spoken. And it was so. When he arose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece, he drained the dew from the fleece, a bowl full of water. But then Gideon said to God, 
Do not let your anger burn against me that I may speak once more. Please let me make a test once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece and let there be dew on all the ground. In other words, Gideon said, I want the reverse of what you did the night before. God did so that night, for it was dry only on the fleece and dew was on all the ground. Next verse says, Then, that having happened, Jerubbaal, remember that's the nickname he got earlier from taking his first steps, meant Baal fighter. Baal was a false pagan god, the Baal fighter. That is, Gideon and all the people who were with him rose early and camped beside the spring of Herod. And the camp of Midian was on the north side of them by the hill of Moreh in the valley. In other words, Gideon did indeed go out and he took the army with him and they strategically placed themselves uh, where they could engage the enemy uh, in a battle. Now, as we look at that, though, let's step back and ask, what was all that that preceded that? That thing with the fleece and, you know, and the dew and, and Gideon's test of God. What was that really all about? Well, it, it was about really Gideon almost not following through. Almost not following through to the end of his mission. Because it, when, when it came time for him to move out to battle, he got cold feet. That's what happened. He got cold feet at that point. And, uh, and we can understand uh, that probably that came from the recognition of two things with Gideon. Uh, one was... He noticed immediately, somebody counted, they had 32,000 men there, probably give or take a few. 32,000 men were right there, ready to go. But Gideon suddenly realizes he's the leader of those 32,000 men. As far as we know, Gideon had never led anything in his life. And now he's the leader of of a 32,000-man army that's to go out to battle. And that overwhelmed him, as it would probably overwhelm any one of us in that position. Second of all, uh, Gideon recognized this. The Israelites had a 32,000-man army. That was good. But when you considered who they were and what they had, you realized they lacked weaponry. We learn all this as we go along. They They lacked adequate weaponry to fight. They were untrained to fight. Uh, A good majority of them, we're told later on, were scared to death, trembling even as they went out. And uh, another minor little detail which somebody probably reported to Gideon, the Midianites and their allies who came in, they had 135,000 people in the land. The ratio of, uh, of four to against, four to one against Israel at that point. So you understand uh, how Gideon uh, became scared. We would be scared. And he began to have second thoughts. Now, some in this moment see what Gideon did in going to God, uh, asking for these tests, uh, indicates that he was a man of great faith. But if you've studied the text carefully, the evidence would show that he was actually at this time a man of little faith. Notice again his words here, verse 36, where he says to God, If you'll deliver Israel through me, catch this, as you have spoken, behold, I will put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. And if there's dew on the fleece only and it's dry on all the ground, then I will know that you will deliver Israel through me as you have spoken. I don't know if you catch the disconnect there. But what... But had God actually spoken to Gideon about this before? Yeah, actually he had. God had indeed uh, uh, told Gideon that that he would use him and Gideon would win these battles. Gideon was doubting God's word at this point. Remember when when God first came to Gideon? The first way he approached him, he said, Gideon, Gideon, you valiant warrior. Oh, valiant warrior, the Lord is with you. And he wasn't a valiant warrior at that time as God was saying to him. Gideon, I'm going to make you a valiant warrior. The Lord is with you, Gideon. 
And Gideon, you remember, stumbled around in this conversation. He doesn't realize he's getting a message from God at that point. And, uh, and so God has to come back and say to him again, Gideon, go in this your strength, not your own strength, but that I just told you I'm with you. Gideon, I'm with you. Go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you, Gideon? That means success is assured. Gideon's starting to get the picture, but he's still, uh, you know, hemming and hawing here about whether he's going. And so God comes back one more time and says to Gideon, Gideon, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat Midian as one man. In other words, it's going to be like you with an army going against one person. And you're with. That's how sure your success is, Gideon. I promise it, God says. I promise it. So Gideon knew God's will. Uh, Gideon uh, had God's word uh, to him about this. But at this point, he's disbelieving it. He's disbelieving it. But, you know, not only did Gideon had God's word at that point, what had happened? God had what? God had already demonstrated his great power to Gideon, uh, showing Gideon that, that he, was, he was still powerful and he was still going to use his power on Gideon's behalf. And, uh, and when Gideon took his first steps of faith, what happened? Gideon, to his complete surprise, was successful because God helped him. And God gave him protection from harm when some people stood up and, and wanted to kill him. And God then gave him this great credibility that he never had. Suddenly he has instant credibility with his people of his community and the surrounding tribes. And then when Gideon calls and blows the horn, you know, and says, okay, I'm excited, God, you got me inspired. And he blows the horn and he thinks, I wonder if like 100 people might show up. And 32,000 people show up. So he has all the evidence of God that God is working in his life. And yet at this point, at this point, He's still doubting, and he flinches. He flinches at the idea of going out to battle. And so he begins to, uh, to uh, 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 go to God with these tests. Now, if he hadn't come around, we know he did come around, right? Uh, he was failing to go forward, but we already read that eventually he did. But if he hadn't, what would have happened? Well, you know, very likely God would have still saved Israel because it was clear God had it in, in his intention to do that. And he would have uh, saved them from the Midianites. But he would have saved them in some other way than his first choice, which was to work through uh, Gideon. You may remember another story in the Old Testament about Esther, uh, a, a nobody who became a queen, and, uh, and uh, got in a tight position where she was forced to make some choices of whether she would be brave or not to save her own people from destruction. might cost her her life. It was a, it was a risk. But she had that choice to make. And, and her relative Mordecai at that time, while she was kind of you know, deciding, will I do it, won't I do it, Remember, uh, Mordecai, uh, the relative, spoke up and said, Esther, let's look at this. If you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you've not attained royalty for such a time as this. And what, what uh, Mordecai was saying to her at that point was, look, Esther, God is going to accomplish his purposes. He's decided to accomplish them through you. If you fail to step up, then here's what's going to happen. God will still get it done, but your failure will hurt you and it will hurt some other people in the process. There will, there will be loss if you don't step up to what God calls you to do. That's just the reality. And obviously Mordecai was saying, you're not going to, to be part of the experience of God doing the impossible. Esther responded positively in that situation. You can read her story some other time. So what we see here is this, this truth would have been the same in Gideon's time. If, if Gideon had, had not stepped up, the same would have happened. God would have found a way to accomplish his purpose. 
But Gideon himself would have hurt himself. Others would have been hurt in the process. And he would have missed out on that incredible experience that God was going to accomplish. Now, fortunately, he regained his momentum, right? And he got up and we're told he went out and he, he rallied and they all went out to battle. But, but here's the, the brief, quick lessons we want to learn from just this instance. And it's this. First of all, that follow through is essential. Follow through with what God has called us to is essential. And, and why do we say this? Well, we say this because, because it's easy sometimes for us, or I should say it's easier for us sometimes, to take those first steps of faith and obedience, to do the smaller thing that God has called us to do when, he, when we're getting on track with God. But then when we actually are, 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 God is ready to take us to the final conclusion, to the next step, to what he really wants to do, that's where, like Gideon, sometimes we hesitate. You know, some of you may be in that place in your, in your life right now. And you just have to stop and think, wow, is that where I am? That, that I've come this far with God, but when the going got a little tougher, I decided I wasn't going anymore. And you've just been holding back. Maybe it's handling a relationship problem. Maybe it's accomplishing a dream. Maybe it's doing a ministry task. Maybe it's, it's just being that stand-up person in your home or your neighborhood or, or whatever, but you haven't gone all the way with God. This is one of the greatest examples of, you know what, if you don't go that next stretch then you're going to miss out on, on the impossible. Gideon really, in his, in his first steps, he saw what was most improbable occurring. Some might say even impossible, but it was just a little bit impossible. But this was going to be a much bigger impossibility. And we have to decide, are we going to go all the way? You know, it's, just, it's going to be a reality that this is what we're going to face because if you're really going for the impossible, the things ahead of you are going to be difficult and they're not going to be puny and tiny. They're going to be difficult things. And just like Val was talking about, you're going to go through some hard times and you're going to wonder sometimes where God is or if you're supposed to be there and all these things. And it's going to be overwhelming and it's going to be scary. And, but you've got to just make the decision. And the decision to make is you want to make sure you follow through. Get past the first steps. Now, the way to do that, that's our second short lesson that we're going to finish off on here today. And that's this. Well, how do I, how do I get past that? Well, your doubts must be dismissed. You must dismiss the doubts that come into your mind because doubts will come just as they did with Gideon. So you're going to need to deal with it. And how do we do that? Well, some would suggest that we follow Gideon's example and uh, we throw out some fleeces or tests for God. But considering Gideon's example and other teaching from the Bible, we realize, you know what, it's really better to avoid that approach. First, because, you know what, if you read the Bible's perspective on this, this is not the most pleasing way uh, to follow God's will. The Bible, without question, reveals that, that God, uh, by far, without question, primarily reveals his will through his word, through his word to us, he makes it clear. And, uh, and then as he makes it clear through his word to us, he confirms it to us, uh, again, often in his word, uh, by what he tells us, and, and not through the fleece method. But by his word, and then in addition to his word, which, by the way, remember, whenever we open up the scriptures, and we have the word, right? We have the word of God. We, we have much more than Gideon ever had access to in his day. So we got a Bible in front of us all the time. And in that Bible, God gives us direct commands. So oftentimes we know exactly what he wants us to do because he's commanded us. And he also teaches us principles of how to live. And the Holy Spirit, when we get in the Word and look for how it applies to our life, He helps us to understand it. So God talks to us through the Word. And then how else does God lead us and guide us? 
Well, through confirmation of his presence with us, his, uh, his leading that we're going the right direction. He brings displays of his power in our life, uh, uh, displays of his intervention, uh, alignment of circumstances in our life, that uh, that's where he, he wants us to be. That's what God uses. You know what else the, the Bible says God uses in terms of directing us? He uses wise counsel. We won't take time to look up the verses on that today. But God says, you know what? When you go to to mature brothers and sisters in Christ and you talk these things through, God helps you to understand and confirms how he's leading. One other way that we find in Scripture, just to mention briefly, is that when we pray, uh, God answers our prayer. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, you know what I love about this verse is that if you go to the next verse, you're expecting it to say, and God will answer all your requests. But instead, look what it says. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's a great verse because implied in there is that God will answer your prayers. He may not always answer them the way you asked for them to be answered. He may answer them in a different way. But even as he does that, He will let you know what he's doing. You'll have a sense and he will give you the inner peace in your life that you can still follow him. He will make that clear to you that you're on the right track. This is the way that that God primarily works. When we ignore and dismiss these ways, God isn't always happy. You see, God had actually already worked in, in most all of these ways in Gideon's life. It wasn't that Gideon didn't have any leading, it's that he wasn't paying attention to it. And a lot of times we're the same way. God has put all of this evidence right in front of of us. Here's the word. Here's the confirmation of the word. Here's the assurance. Here's the the alignment of circumstances that says I'm here. Here's the display of God's power. I'm already working ahead of you. Here's a wise counselor saying you're on the right track. You've been praying. We just ignore it. We just ignore it. The Bible says, you know what? God doesn't doesn't like that when we do that. It's, It's not what makes him happy. In fact, uh, we won't do it today, but you can read in Luke chapter 1 about John the Baptist's father, Zacharias, and how God came to him and said, listen, you're going to have a son who's going to be the forerunner of the Messiah, and you need to raise this son. And and Zacharias, essentially at that time, doubts God. I mean, he's got an angel of the Lord talking to him in in a clearly powerful way, and Zacharias goes, how can this be? And God says, I'll show you how it can be, and Zacharias doesn't get to speak again for nine months. Because God says, I'm trying to show you when I say something, I mean what I say. Also, you want to realize this. When we think about Gideon's approach, you've got to be very careful with, with that approach at all times. Because if you look at Gideon, what's he really doing? He's dictating to God. He's going, hey, God, I want to see this before I do that. And God, by the way, I didn't like it the first time, so I want to see this or I'm not going to do that. And God says, wait a minute. Who's in charge here, you or me? We don't want to get in that relationship with God where we're challenging his authority. Another thing to remember real quickly is this. Sometimes, go on this route of of putting these tests out for God, it actually becomes more confusing to us. And one of the best examples is Gideon, right? So he puts this test out. God, I want the fleece to be wet. The fleece is wet. And then he goes, oh, that's not good enough. I think I need to know more, God. Make the fleece dry. And, and so we get these, these, we say, God, I just want to see this happen. Then when it happens, we feel like, oh, but what if? Maybe, uh, uh, then we're, we're more confused. I've heard about a, a church once where they were considering a, an opportunity. They had to buy a $100,000 piece of property. And so they, they, they went to their congregation. They said, look, we know this is going to really stretch us as a congregation. 
but, but we think God might be in this. So we want to challenge everybody. Let's, let's just give what we can and, and see if we can get this $100,000. And if we get it, we'll know it's God's will to, to do this. We'll know it's God's will. And so they, they put the time frame out. They had a time frame to do it. And they got over $90,000, but they didn't get $100,000. And then they sat around looking at each other because they were totally amazed that, that they already had over $90,000, but they didn't get the $100,000 by the deadline. So they're staring at each other, and they ended up at odds with each other because some of them said, oh, God's saying yes, and others were saying no. God was saying no. I've heard of instances, too, where people would say uh, uh, something like, God, I, I need to know by tomorrow at noon an answer to this. And the answer doesn't come at noon. It comes at like 5 o'clock. And then they're going, uh, well, which is it? You know, the answer comes really clearly at 5 o'clock. Yeah, you got exactly what you wanted, but it didn't come at, five, at 12 o'clock. Well, what do we do? God, we need another test. Better to use God's method and go with, with his ways than to, than to come up with these tests. You might wonder, why did God grant uh, Gideon this, this request then? Well, just remember who Gideon was. He was probably the most spiritually immature person who was serving God at that point in time. Remember, he didn't even have the word of God in his life. He came from a family of uh, false pagan uh, worshipers. His, his dad was the leading uh, worshiper in the, in the pagan worship place of the time. There was nobody in Israel was leading the way. There were no other moral leaders in Israel to follow or learn from. Gideon is making his way discovering God. He's like a brand new Christian in some ways, you know, who just doesn't understand. And God's very graciously helping Gideon out here. But we don't want to approach God with that same level of immaturity. We want to be mature when we go to God. We'll find him leading us in, in greater ways. But here's, the, here's where we need to just stop and say, though, this being so, where do you stand today? Where has God taken you to in the process, and, and what's ahead of you? And if you lined up today, just think of it this way. If you lined up today and said, what has God already made clear to me in his word? What has he already confirmed to me by displays of his power? Interesting coincidences, quote, unquote. Um, the, uh, the success he's already given me and the ministries I've taken up for him, all these things that, Gideon has brought, that was brought into Gideon's life, if, if God has brought all those things, what of those things has God brought into your life that still you're, you're hesitating moving forward? You're not going where God wants you to go. You've got to take those things seriously. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have good teaching and training and helpers to help me. I, I wouldn't be in ministry today if I hadn't followed that path. Val following the path to step up and go in, in difficult places where she didn't know what God had ahead of her, but still following the leading that God uh, had her to prepare for, for her ministry to get to Uganda. We need to take those extra, extra steps. I love this cowbell. I just think it's such a great, great illustration. I just hope you go home thinking about cowbells for this week and just thinking about how God is just the God of the impossible. And here's this, this grenade, you know, this rocket launch grenade part. And and how God takes these things and just turns them off for good. And what will he do if we'll start doing what we're learning from Gideon? What would happen this week if we stepped up? Let's stand right now, okay? We need to close up here. Today we've had a lot in our service. But I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. I want us to sing this song as we close. Because it's a call to all of us together to say, look, if we're really the people of God, if we're really the people of God in this place, then why don't we live like the people of God? Why don't we step forward and believe about these God possibilities? Why don't we follow through like we've never followed through before? Lord God, thank you for, for the graduation time we had to celebrate. Father, 
We just know in so many instances there was evidence of your working, your leading, your blessing, the impossible to get some people through their schooling. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for the words of thou which shows us what you're doing in Uganda. We thank you, Lord, for your word from Gideon which tells us it can happen even here today with us. Father, we love you and we worship you with all that in mind today. Amen.